0: This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good one out there. Plenty to get to today. Wolves played, playoff game, lost. Wild played, got a win over Montreal. A good one for them to uh, secure two more points in their quest to get home ice in the postseason. Twins played and lost. We'll get to all of those things in a little bit. Got to talk about the Twins' bullpen. Talk about you know the wild Cam Talbot, how well he's been playing, and Kevin Fiala, how well he's been playing. And we got to talk to uh, Marcus Fuller here in a little bit. Gophers men's basketball beat writer for the Star Tribune. Big get for the Gophers earlier this week when they got Dawson Garcia transfer from North Carolina, originally from Prior Lake. Marcus will help break down... Kind of what that means, how significant that was, and maybe also what to, what is yet to come for this team as they continue to work the transfer portal. And Ben Johnson tries to fill out this roster with high-caliber players in hopes of having a more successful year two of his program. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk Wolves at the jump. Lost 124-96. to against Memphis in Game 2 of that playoff series on Tuesday night, a game that was predictable in a lot of ways and unwatchable in multiple ways as well. Let's get to the predictability first. Now, Wolves fans had kind of dreamed up a scenario where the Wolves took a 2-0 series lead with two straight road victories and came back to target center in control of the series. That's not typically how these things go, even when a road team steals game one. And I'm not even gonna say the Wolves stole game one because they they were the better team in game one. They were they they came in and earned a game one win. But when that happens, the home team, the higher seed, has a level of desperation that is hard for the road underdog to match. And I think you saw that to a certain degree on uh on Tuesday night that Memphis was just they they knew this series while it wouldn't quite be over if they went down 2-0 with two home losses it would put them in a serious uh tough spot after you know after losing game 1 so they came out with a lot more energy a lot more purpose and played a lot more like the team they have been for much of the season got more from players not named Ja Morant in this game you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. had twenty was a plus twenty-one, had sixteen points, seven rebounds. Desmond Baines, sixteen points, pretty efficient, just ten shots, got a lot of contributions from the bench, four different bench players in double figures. About a key moment in the game was Steven Adams picking up his second foul um just three minutes into the game. He did not get back on the court. He's been a liability. In this series so far, he was a minus one when he went out. Grizzlies end up being a plus 29 without him. So, watch that as the series goes forward. How much will Steven Adams actually play in this series versus, you know, how much will Memphis go with a more versatile, switch heavy lineup to, uh, to defend Carl Anthony Towns, to defend some of the Wolves' other players? Because let's face it, Towns did not have a good game, he was in foul trouble. Um, you know that was another element of the uh, predictability to this game. When Towns gets in foul trouble, he struggles. He had, you know, he picked up a couple quick ones. He had three pretty fast, 15 points, 11 rebounds. You know, he shot the ball fine, but he only got seven shots. Only played 28 minutes. Was a minus 21 for the game. So if we're talking about predictability, we're talking about Memphis. Playing better when they're desperate, hitting the offensive glass. They had 14 rebounds. They were 14 offensive rebounds. They were an excellent offensive rebounding team during the season. And the Wolves were not a very good defensive rebounding team during the season. And we're talking about Cat getting in foul trouble and the team suffering as a result. You know that that game against the Clippers was really an anomaly where they were able to overcome that, um, and they don't want to live that way. So that is the scenario coming back to minneapolis on thursday night wolves 1-1 they got to feel fine with that they know they missed an opportunity but still this is now essentially a best of five series where the wolves just need to win all three of their home games or three games at any point and they will win this series so they have to know that that is still you know if you were going into this two games in memphis with a with a realistic goal it was a split They already had that in hand going into game two. Maybe a little disappointing that they couldn't make this closer, that they couldn't put forth a better effort uh, to make this a more realistic possibility, but hey, sometimes that is life. Speaking of which, the game was unwatchable in multiple ways as well. So many fouls early on. There was no flow to the game. I don't know what the, the directive is from the league office or if it's just the referees calling it how they want to call it, but... I wish they would just let him play a little bit more, because that was just... It took a good quarter and a half before this game had any kind of rhythm. And by that point, I was kind of bored with it, to be honest. It just was not a very aesthetically pleasing game. The other element of unwatchable, a lot of people finding it hard to watch the game because they couldn't get it. People who are YouTube TV subscribers... Um, The game was blacked out on NBA TV and, of course, YouTube TV, as well as so many other streaming devices and some other satellite uh, carriers, do not have Bally Sports North right now. So a lot of people complaining on Twitter that they were not able to watch the game. Maybe not the worst thing in retrospect because it was not a very good game to watch. But again, the frustration with the TV situation in this team continues to, to rear its ugly head Now, the good news is that should not be a problem for Games 3 and 4. The TV already announced for those two. TNT, in addition to Bally Sports North, will have Game 3. ESPN, in addition to Bally Sports North, will have Game 4. And Game 3 Thursday, a nice 6.30 p.m. start. Uh, as opposed to the 9 o'clock Saturday start. So get ready for that. You should be able to watch Games 3 and Game 4, regardless of whether you are shut out from Bally Sports North or not, as long as you have ESPN and or TNT. So pay attention to that, and we'll see if the Wolves become more watchable in more ways than one.
1: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards.
0: Follow the lights
1: to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day.
0: Happy to have Marcus Fuller back on Daily Delivery. Covers the Gophers men's basketball team for the Star Tribune. Does a great job of it. Did a, Had a interesting uh, last 24-48 hours as the Gophers were pursuing Dawson Garcia, the former Prior Lakes standout, started his college career at Marquette, then went to North Carolina, then entered entered the portal once more, and Ben Johnson finding out on Monday that he has, in fact, committed to the Gophers. Um, Marcus, can you frame up for our listeners just how big of a deal Dawson Garcia is for Ben Johnson and his program?
1: Uh, You know, I mean, it it really is uh, something that we've seen coming for a while now um since he entered the portal i want to say for a week it started to head in that direction but you know until you see it you don't believe it and obviously uh he announced his commitment um on monday and it was official he hasn't signed yet but it's only a matter of time and uh, go for fans went ecstatic um you know even some media members who i won't mention. Um, were sending me some pretty excited emojis. And, uh, you know, I think that when you look at what happened uh, under Richard Pitino, especially toward the end of his tenure, where they were losing, if not most, all of the top talent in the state um, to get one of those guys uh, that, that left the state to come back in Ben Johnson's second offseason and really first full recruiting class. Uh, that says a lot. It's, it's a huge statement. You know, do we expect Dawson Garcia to be, uh, you know, a, a huge impact immediately if he's eligible? Certainly. Uh, is he the, the, you know, the, the cornerstone of winning a Big Ten title? Um, obviously, fans hope so. Um, but I think, you know, he will tell you as well that he's just a piece of, of this rebuilding process and, and they're continuing to, to add to that.
0: Now, just, you know, McDonald's All-American, um, their first one since Chris Humphreys, if I'm not mistaken. I think you've written that. Um, you know, coming out of high school, he was you know very highly touted. Wound up at, at Marquette. Um, you know, his journey has been a little bit of a of a difficult one. Left North Carolina mid-season last year. Had a lot of family members who you know were, were suffering from the effects of COVID. Wanted to be closer to home. Um, you know, what 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 else about him? background wise should we know
1: that's the one thing about minnesota talent is is everyone knows quite a bit about him you know when they're in high school um you know he's six eleven. uh you know when he first uh you know kind of made a name for himself outside of the state of minnesota um you know he wasn't recruited that heavily by the gophers uh marquette was obviously a team uh, and Steve Wojciechowski, they recruited him early in the process and and they kind of zeroed in on him. He was in a twenty twenty class that they had a lot of uh, post uh, players that the Gophers had offered, uh, Ben Carlson from Wisconsin, Dane Danger from Park Center, um, Stephen Crowell from Eastview. Um, you know, there were a lot of post players in that class. I want to say five of them that the Gophers offered. And um, you know, at the time, he wasn't at the top of the list and then, Eventually, he, he just shot up to the top. Uh, not only did he have the size, but he could, he could stretch the floor, um, he put, put some weight on. And, and he was really just the, uh, one of the best players in the country uh, at his position. He became McDonald's All-American, like you said, first since 2004 that I will play for the Gophers. But at the time, he joined Jalen Suggs with two Minnesotans in the McDonald's All-American game. Um, it was the second time they had done that. Since back when Tyus Jones, Rashad Vaughn, and and uh, Reed Travis were in the McDonald's game together, so I think you know the Gophers having a talent like this uh, in the program, it says a lot. You know, when he was at Marquette, he led all Big East freshmen in scoring and rebounding his first year. It was all Big East freshman team. Wojciechowski was fired after that season uh, with a losing record, and was the main reason why he left. And uh, ended up going to North Carolina, a team that offered him out of high school and uh, joined with his AAU teammate from D1 Minnesota, Kerman Walton. I think that North Carolina, um, you know, the situation there was so difficult for him after he left, not only to see the team, um, you know, pursue a national championship. That was the least of it. You know, he lost some family members. And, you know, going through that whole process, not being able to play basketball. I mean, he talked to me yesterday uh, that it was the lowest point um, that he's been through yet. And, you know, he's bounced out of that uh, with his commitment Monday. It was a very happy time for him, but it was also emotional because, like I said, he lost some family members um, in in the process. Uh, But Gopher fans can be excited about, you know, what he brings to the table and um, you know, he's not the only front court player they have next year. Last year they were very uh low and, and uh in depth at that position. Now they have Jamison Battle and Pharrell Payne from Park Cottage Grove, uh Parker Fox, uh Trayton Thompson and, and and a number of others uh inside for Ben
0: Johnson. And they're gonna need some backcourt help. I'll get to that here in a minute, some some folks they're still looking at. Recruiting wise, portal wise, here in in the coming week or two, but a um, couple things still on uh, on this on this big news with Austin Garcia. First, he does need a waiver to play right away. In your estimation, based on his circumstances with his family, is that you know a formality or at least likely that he will be able to play next season?
1: I think you know the, the main reason why we're looking at this right is because of the one time transfer rule. Um, you know, guys who transferred multiple times in the past really had a hard time getting a waiver, even though even if it was a hardship waiver. Uh, but because they have the one-time transfer rule uh, and, you know, COVID uh, extra year of eligibility, really the NCAA has not stood in the way of a lot of players uh, transferring multiple times and getting the extra year because of COVID um, during the pandemic. Uh, it just seems like a free-for-all when it comes to the portal. But in this case... I think it fits the classic hardship waiver. You know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, look at his playing playing time and his uh, productivity before he left. But really, if you look deeper into the situation, he had been going through that with his family, and he also had a concussion in early January um, that hurt his play. If you look at the first 10 games Garcia played, he averaged over 12 points a game, six rebounds. He was shooting... um, almost 48% from three-point range, almost 50% from the field. He had 26 versus Purdue, uh, another couple 20-point 20 games. So he was highly productive, and he was a starter for the first 12 games. The concussion really hurt his play before he ended up departing because of personal reasons. So this is a player that, um, you know, when he's eligible, um, and I expect it to be, I think the Gophers do too, um, you know, this summer, you know, he's going to be a, a media impact player, in the front court Uh, in, in, in years past, you know, those hardship waivers, even if a player had a situation um, that was clear uh, for the NCAA to approve, um, they also required the, the former school uh, to, to, to go along with it. And in this case, if you've seen the statements from Hubert Davis, Tar Heels coach, um, he really supports Dawson for, um, you know, being away from the team initially and invited him back, but then also, once he uh, was was announced in the transfer portal, you know, he understood the reasons for it and, and that he wanted to go closer to home. So I don't really
0: see North Carolina standing in the way um, from his uh, his waiver. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, one thing that I was curious about, too, that I wanted to ask you about is Ben Johnson is, you know, not super active on social media, but he likes to get in there and mix it up a little bit what what's the denzel Washington thing with him because I've seen the, the the denzel washington clip when when something big is happening what is that
1: well it's training day uh Mike i mean it's a it's it's a it's a training day meme you don't you've never seen that before no I'm kidding <laughs> I think you know obviously you know coaches um nowadays on social media you know when it comes to commitments they like to to use memes and different things to announce. Uh, what's going on you know they can't officially say the kid sign right so they come up with different things i think uh pj fleck uses the spotlight am am i not i think that's right yeah i think that's right yeah he he uses the spotlight i think patino used the dancing gopher um you know ben was here when patino started using that um i think he you know he's a training day fan denzel fan and i i believe it's 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 as simple as that you know like you know, he he understands that a lot of coaches have, have done that, especially in this market. P.J. Fleck has his, then Ben had to come up with his own, um, and, and I love it, man, because it kind of helps me. You know, and when I see P.J. Spotlight go up, I'm like, oh, you know, my my, my radar <laughs> go, my radar goes up, and it's it's about it's about time to announce a commitment. And the same thing with Ben, even though a lot of times we see it coming, you know, sometimes we don't, and I think it gets Fans excited and it and it generates some interest on social media. Um, the problem is everybody has access to that meme, so right. if they wanted to, you know, they could just create a Ben Johnson account and start faking people out. But I haven't <laughs> seen that yet.
0: <laughs> At least, well, I like that. That's that is fun, and it did. You know, that was the first clue. I mean, not the first clue Monday, because this was certainly something that you had been reporting on and and we'd been following for a little while now as soon as as soon as Garcia went into the portal a um, couple more things for you here Marcus one um, you had the piece up Tuesday on you know now that they've got Dawson Garcia now that they've got a lot of these other you know pieces in place in the front court you know the strength of this team last season to a certain degree was you know it was Jamison Battle but also you know uh, Peyton Wilson some of the other backcourt experienced players they had you know a lot of those players gone who, who might they look to in you know in recruiting in the portal now to help bolster this team because it looks like they've got a lot of options or at least guys that are in for visits that that could be on this team you know soon
1: yeah i mean last year uh they lost 10 guys to the portal including marcus carr Gabe kalsher um jamal jamal mashburn their starting backcourt uh, booth gotch so they, they they had to replace their entire backcourt really their entire team, but they're starting backcourt in the portal, and they did that. Um, they're, they're at it again. Uh, their only returning guard is uh, Theum, who was a freshman last year and barely played. So um, they need they need, really needed backcourt help uh, more than they did frontcourt help. Um, and I, I'm right now uh, they just had uh, Parker Stewart from Indiana visit over the weekend. Uh, Illinois State's Josiah Strong, who was a former Champion park, stand out. He visited on Monday uh, when we got the Garcia news. And and as we speak, uh, there's a, a, a visit from Hunter McIntosh. Uh, he's from Elon. And uh, later in the week, uh, Talon Cooper from Moorhead State will be visiting. And, you know, a lot of these guys are mid-major players. Indiana's Parker Stewart was the only high-major visit so far from the guards. Um, but, again, last year you saw that, you know, Peyton Willis, Coming from Charleston, although he was with the Gophers previously, Luke Lowey, uh, William and Mary, and um, you know Sean Sutherland, Sutherland, and EJ stevens they were all mid-major guards. But they came here, and as a as a collective unit, they were highly productive. And Peyton Wells really set the standard for what point guards uh, should be in the future under Ben Johnson. You know, I don't—I've talked to him recently, and he's—he's he's not looking for a guy to come in and play 40 minutes um, at for that him. position. Um, because he has, you know, Braden Carrington for Park Center, Mr. Basketball coming in, and, um, you know, another guard, Jaden Henley from California, he's going to want to need, he's, he's going to want those guys to have experience in playing time as freshmen, um, but he does need, need experience at that position. And so, you know, guys like McIntosh and uh, Cooper this week, uh, they played a lot of basketball. Uh, McIntosh has started three years in a row. Um, and uh, Cooper was, I believe, top 10 in the country in assists with almost six per game. So, those guys, if they get either one of them or both, um, they'd immediately add a lot of experience to the position. Um, but this is a team that I think, you know, next season is going to lean heavily on the front court. Uh, it was at the back court heavy, right, this year. Yes. With only really Eric Curry inside. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be front court led. You know, Jameson. In my opinion, is going to battle is going to move over to the, the small forward spot, which I think is his ideal position for the next level. Uh, he's really working on his prim, his uh, ball handling and and defensive uh, skills, you know, to guard that position in the off season, and he's getting getting even better shape. And you know, he's one of the best three point shooters in the country, and I think that's going to be a, a lethal combination with Battle, uh, Garcia, and then you add in you know Pharrell Payne as a freshman and and Parker Fox and Isaiah Enon and some of the, the returning um, forwards that they have. So right now it's shaping up to be a much better, uh, a more talented squad this year. Uh, but again, like you just mentioned, they're really going to need some backcourt help soon.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, like you said, they've they, with the addition of Dawson Garcia, they now have, I believe seven Minnesotans on the roster for next season, which, you know, with a, a departure, from years past i think you wrote you know i think it was a, a few days ago about you know imagine a time when they, this could you know be a a minnesota dominated roster you feel like they're on the path to do that it certainly seems like a priority for ben johnson
1: it's starting to look like wisconsin um a little bit with all the um, with all sorry. the Minis-
0: with all the minnesota players <laughs> with all the minnesotan guys <laughs> right?
1: yeah. i know right? uh, i took a shot there i'm sorry i uh, Patino, he won't be listening to this, so he, it won't matter.
0: <laughs> I'll send him the link. I'll make sure he listens and comes after um, you.
1: But I think at one time recently, uh, Wisconsin had seven Minnesotas uh, Minnesotans on their team, and they won the Big Ten Championship. So uh, the Gophers are on their way uh, to, to following in the Badgers' footsteps. But, you know, it's one thing to have Minnesota players on your roster, um, you know, scholarship players they have. And guys, you know, they could go, I mean, right now, you know, if you put, if you, I mean, they will, their battle's not going to not start. You slide battle over to three, you could go with, uh, with three starters from Minnesota, uh, with battle, you know, uh, Garcia and Pharrell Payne or battle Fox and, and Garcia, you know, I mean, three guys, you know, in the interior, uh, from Minnesota, you know, the only Minnesota guard, I believe they're recruiting right now, as far as transfers is Josiah strong from Illinois state, but, and he would be the eighth Minnesota uh, scholarship right. player on the roster. Um, so, again, we all know how much this ta- the, the state produces talent. And there's been a lot of guys that have left that we say, hey, you know, what if he was back? Um, what would this team look like? And we can finally see that with Garcia and, you know, three players that uh, Ben Johnson signed in the high school recruiting class with Braden Carrington, uh, Josh Ola Joseph, and Pharrell Payne. Um, you know, there's three, you know, really uh, up, you know, I think that these freshmen will, will be uh, be able to help the team right
0: away. Last thing for you, Marcus, and we've talked about this, is just how much the portal hurt them last season. You know, that's that's to be expected, I suppose, when a coach leaves and then you're kind of scrambling to fill out your roster Seems like it's evening out a little bit this year, certainly with the Dawson Garcia news and maybe some more to come this week. In future years, do you envision Ben Johnson and this program being helped at least as much as they're hurt by the portal? I mean, he seems to have enough connections that, that he should be able to use this to his advantage to a certain degree.
1: Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Every year, you know, you're really going to be reshaping your roster. Um, if you rely on the portal... As much as teams do now. And you really have to, because you have to stay old. You know, you have to stay mature and have experience. The minute you go young, um, that's when you're going to probably take a hit and have a dip in your success. You know, it happened with Patino. He inherited a pretty experienced team from Tubby Smith that had gone to the tournament and they won an NIT championship, sorry. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden he lost Tubby Smith's recruits. And you know, this before they had the one-time transfer rule, and then he had a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that were playing, and they had they won only eight games, and then they turn around once those guys were experienced, and they started winning again. Well, you're not going to see that. I mean, coaches cannot um, withstand uh, that those types of dips in success, and so you're going to look at him, especially during his first few years, attack the portal pretty consistently, uh, because he has ties to. Minnesota players that he recruited when he was here and when he was at Xavier and, you know, there are going to be a lot of players even in the next couple of years that he didn't necessarily recruit too hard, um, but they want to come home and play at a high level. And so, you know, he's talked to me about that, that, Hey, in this first few years that I'm coaching, I'm gonna have a lot of relationships with players. And then I'm gonna have a lot of people wanting to come home. And that's what he's, uh, you know, rely on, you know, once the players like the high school class this year start to develop, Uh, And then they're older, you know, then maybe you don't have to rely on the portal as much. But losing 10 players last year, I mean, that just put them way behind the eight ball. And I'm shocked. I mean, Jeff Goodman, a really good college insider, basketball insider out there. I think he posted recently that there are 11 programs in the country that only that had not lost any players into the portal as of now. And Minnesota was one of them. And uh, that you know that that's that's eleven programs and, you know, uh, he's talking about high major in you know sixty eight I think sixty eight yeah. programs. So I mean that's quite a that's saying something.
0: Quite a difference a year makes. Well, good stuff, Marcus. Keep following his coverage. Star Tribune. StarTribune. Tribune.com. I'm sure you will be on top of all the rest of the. Portal and recruiting those, but the big one this week obviously Dawson Garcia committing to the Gophers, making them better for next year and beyond. We'll catch up soon, okay, Marcus? All right, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Good stuff from Marcus. As always, check Star Tribune, startribune.com. Marcus has a good breakdown of the guards the Gophers are looking at, some of the other players they're looking at in the transfer portal. So we'll see. How that all shakes out as the week goes on, but uh, you know, certainly looking for some additional help in the portal going forward. Speaking of additional help, the Wild won and got a little bit of help on Tuesday in their quest to gain home ice advantage in the West. They took care of business against Montreal, two to nothing. Kevin Fiala gets his thirtieth goal of the season. Going to be a tough decision in the off season. Lavelli Neal the 3rd wrote about that today in the Star Tribune whether the Wild keeps Fiala or keeps Matt Dumba because one of those is going to probably going to have to go based on the salary cap based on you know uh, Parisi and Suter hitting the books in a hard way so you know Fiala with his 30th goal certainly showing his worth to this team Dumba's shown his worth to this team in many different ways too though so that could be a tough decision but the here and now is the Wild has both of them, albeit dumba has been injured lately. Fiala contributing to that 2-0 win, vaults the Wild into got 103 points now. St. Louis, which was ahead of them by a point going into Tuesday, lost in overtime to Boston, so they pick up a point, but just the one point. So now both teams have 103, and the Wild has a game in hand, has played one fewer game. The Blues only have five games left, while the Wild has six. Um, by the way, everybody at the top of the West has been on fire lately. Avalanche, nine and one in their last ten. Wild seven, one-and-two in their last ten. Blues nine-o-and-one in their last ten. Really uh, showing themselves down the stretch to be uh, to be awfully good teams. Uh, you know, the 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 Central Division's gonna sh- gonna send a lot of good teams into the postseason, perhaps five of them. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty impressive to watch, and maybe the Wild can get home ice now uh you know we'll watch that going down the stretch but you know they've got some easier games coming up here montreal was it was a good one for them vancouver and seattle are the next two so You know, we'll see if they can kind of maybe bank some points, get a a little cushion before they have to finish up uh, later on this uh, season with a couple tough ones to finish. They've got Colorado at the very end of the year, and they've got Calgary right before that. So the two division leaders are their final two games of the regular season. Let's finish with the cooler. Twins lost 4-3 at Kansas City, another game where the bullpen couldn't hold a lead, although a pretty big task. They were you know, up 2-1 after 4, 3-2 after 5. You're not going to win every game like that, but Tyler Duffy gives up home runs in the sixth inning, two solo home runs to make it 4-3. That ends up being the final. And again, can't treat every Twins game like the end of the world, but this bullpen is not good, and you can draw a straight line, right now to the decision to trade Taylor Rogers, basically on the eve of the season. I hate to tell you this, but Tyler Duffy has struggled, has a nine ERA so far this year, has two losses, you know, directly responsible for a couple of blown leads in the later innings. Taylor Rogers, traded to the Padres, has pitched five scoreless innings, five outings, five saves, five one-inning um, no-run situations only given up one hit and one walk all year in those five innings, struck out five. So you do wonder at this point what the Twins' bullpen might look like with Taylor Rodgers, what it would have looked like if they would have just left this alone instead of trading him for Chris Paddock. Maybe time will tell that was a at least a neutral move or even a good move. I don't know. Right now that does not look good. Right now they sure could have used Taylor Rogers in that bullpen. And uh, you know, I don't know if the record would be all that much better, but I bet they'd be at least a game better right now if they had not traded Taylor Rogers. So right now, twins four and seven really lacking in identity, unless that identity is can't hit and can't close out games in the bullpen. That will do it. For me today, plenty of good stuff coming up on Thursday's show. Trey Lance, former North Dakota State star from Marshall, number three overall pick in the 2021. NFL draft quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers will be on Thursday's show talking about the draft talking about raising a bunch of money talking about a bunch of other stuff in the NFL so listen for that we'll have plenty of other stuff on Thursday's show as well as we get ready for game three between the Wolves and the Grizzlies that will do it for me here today thanks for joining me I'm Michael Rand back at it again on Thursday